Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Good morning, good morning, happy Mother's Day. It's going to be an awesome day. Wow, I just love worshiping with y'all. Today was the first day in the history of our church that I've been, when I've been here that I didn't lead worship. So I just felt, if you're wondering, I just felt like I just needed to just sit and worship today, and I just really enjoyed it. So, oh, God is good. Happy Mother's Day. I want to say happy Mother's Day to my mom. If you're watching, mom, love you. Happy Mother's Day. I want to say happy Mother's Day to my mother-in-law, Cha. Cha, if you're watching, we love you. Happy Mother's Day. And I also want to say happy Mother's Day to my amazing, beautiful wife, Joy. She gave me five beautiful children, and she is amazing. She's such a good mom, and I love you so much. I hope you feel loved and honored today. So I want to start with a, a declaration over you today. So I want to start with this declaration. What God is doing in you is more important than what God is doing through you. What God is doing in you is more important than what God is doing through you. How many know God's more concerned with what's happening on the inside than what we're doing on the, on the outward? How many know we can be doing the right thing on the outward and we can have the wrong heart in the inward? So God's always more concerned with what's happening inside of us than what we're actually doing. You know, with kids, we don't want them just to behave right. We want them to have the value instilled within them. And with that value that's instilled within them, the behavior follows, amen? We don't want them just to behave out of fear of punishment, amen? All right, we're gonna talk about powerful community today. I'm excited about this message today. Powerful community. Am I too loud? If I'm, yeah, just bring me down just a hair. We're going to talk about powerful community today. I'm going to start with this scripture, James 5.16. It says, this is the Living Bible, actually. Um, and the Living Bible is really awesome. It, was, it came out in 1971. And this guy who did it, he originally, he's just a dad. And he would, during the daytime, he would rewrite chapters of the Bible. He would rewrite the whole chapter for to read to his kids at night and he would rewrite it in a way that they could understand it and so and then every night he would just read a chapter to his kids in in a way that he kind of changed it so they could understand it at a, at a really easy level and he did this so often that eventually he just translated the whole bible and that's the living bible it's a really awesome translation i love the living bible so james five sixteen, he says this this is the living bible admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and wonderful results. Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So we're talking about powerful community today. And God puts us in community to bring life and healing to us. This is one of the reasons that we do community together. God puts us in community so that he can bring healing to us. It says, pray for each other that you may be healed. 
that verse really is striking to me because it's talking about getting healing in community. So one of the things that um, just stands out is that God uses community to heal us. I heard someone say once that if you were hurt in community, God is probably gonna use community to heal you and restore you. Isn't it just like God? If you were hurt in family, if you were hurt in community, isn't it just like our dad to restore that and use community to heal you. See, the enemy wants, when you're hurting community, he wants you to run away and say, community doesn't work. Family doesn't work and isolate. Move to Alaska. Way off by yourself. You know, how many watch those Alaskan shows? I love those. those some of those shows are so awesome. But this one of, one of the shows about a guy, and I think, I can't remember, they were like, no one lives within like 10 miles of this guy. So, I mean, that's, that's someone who's like really doesn't want to do community. <laughs> They're like, I don't like community. I am by myself. But God loves community. God loves community. And so if you grew up in, in a dysfunctional community, it's, it's uh, very likely that God is going to use a healthy community to heal you. And this is a healthy community. It's not a perfect community, but it's a healthy community. So heaven is community. God loves community. So think of heaven like it, it's actually community. It's a community of people who chose God and who love him. So and we're not just community here. We're also family. We all have the same dad. This is a family. It's a community and it's a family. So if you grow up in an unhealthy family, one of the ways that God heals you is through healthy family. So I, I love the story of Joseph uh, Joseph in the Bible. How many would agree that Joseph, he grew up in an unhealthy family? When your brothers fake your death and they sell you to another country into slavery, how many would agree that's kind of an unhealthy family dynamic there? It's a bit unhealthy. Just might be. So he, he grew up in an unhealthy family, and I believe he was deeply wounded by it. He was deep. I mean, who wouldn't be? I mean, we thought we had it bad. If you had a hard upbringing, at least you didn't get your death faked and sold into slavery. And I think he was deeply, deeply wounded by it. But how many know that when we bring God into our stories, our story becomes a redemption story? Joseph's story is such an awesome, I think there's so many extremes in the Bible like, you know, this is such an extreme, you know, feeling completely betrayed by your family, being completely, deeply wounded in family. But God restores it in this amazing, powerful, beautiful way. God is a great redeemer. Amen. So when you bring God into your story, if you've been hurt through community, you've been hurt in family, but when we bring God into this story, he's going to redeem those things. And he's actually going to use community as one of the tools to heal you. So God prospered Joseph greatly. And at the right time, he brings his family back into his life and he brings a powerful and complete redemption. God uses healthy community to heal the wounds you got from unhealthy community. God uses healthy family to heal the wounds that you got from unhealthy family. So I wanna, <clears throat> excuse me, I wanna talk to you about the four pillars of a healthy community this morning. Four pillars of a healthy community, and th these are like such 
big deals. You know, if you think of a, a chair, it has four legs. And you have to have four legs on a chair to support the weight that's going to be put on it. So if, if we have a community of people that buy into these pillars of community, this does something really powerful and really beautiful. When we all buy in and say, okay, I'm opting in to powerful community. So God spoke to us years ago, Joy and I, and uh, when we were just starting this church, and he said, what I want to do in your church can only be built on family. It can only be built on family. In other words, the family structure is the only thing that can support the weight of what I want to do in your church. It has to be built on family. It can't be built on any other structure. You know, Joy was talking to me the other night about this. Um, in Genesis, God instructed us to take dominion over the earth. Remember that? Take dominion over the earth. Right before that, right before God said, take dominion over the earth, he said, be prosperous and multiply. Be fruitful, sorry. Be, f <laughs> I'm thinking of like confusing Star Trek. Like... <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Be prosperous and like what? Be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> so God says, take dominion over the earth. Right before that, he says, be fruitful and multiply. What is he saying? If I said to someone, be fruitful and multiply. Like Joey and I joke a lot. We were sitting in a room with five little creatures running around and we're like, we multiplied. <laughs> We started out with just us. Now there's seven. We multiplied. Isn't that amazing that God gives us the power to create life? So if I said to someone, a couple, a married couple, be fruitful and multiply, what am I saying? Create a family. And then right after he says create a family, he says take dominion over the earth. In other words, the, the instruction to take dominion over the earth is built on the family structure. Amen. So God could have said it like this, create a family and upon the family structure, take dominion over the earth. So four pillars of a powerful community. So number one, in, in healthy community, Jesus is at the center. Now at first that can sound like, well, duh. But let me explain what I mean by that. In a healthy community, Jesus has to be at the, at the center. I want to read Ephesians 2, verses 20 through 22 in the Passion Translation. It says this, You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple, and your lives have been built up together upon the foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. This entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completely as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. So you are like perfectly fitted stones of the temple. So I, I come from a family of, of stonemasons. So I know we got I know we got some masons here. Um, my great grandpa 
was a stonemason. My grandpa was a stonemason. My dad still currently is a stonemason and does all types of masonry. But the stonework particularly is like the really awesome part of like, like what my dad does and what my grandpa and great grandpa did. Like the, the stonework that they do, you don't really see anything like it down here. It's like massive, beautiful fireplaces. And, and a lot of times people will rock their, their house and really just beautiful. Um, usually they take, I remember I have memories of being a kid and going out in a field with my dad and, and he's got a huge sledgehammer and he's hitting these huge rocks and splitting them open. And there can be this ugly looking rock and then you split it open and it's like this beautiful looking granite, you know, in the, in the inside. And, and they lay these stones with the split piece facing out and they're really beautiful and these massive, massive stones. So they're really beautiful. So we are perfectly fitted stones of the temple and Jesus is the cornerstone. So now the cornerstone in traditional like masonry was the first stone laid and it was actually the standard by which all the other stones were going to be like, like they'd always go back to the cornerstone and they'd be like, okay, this is the standard of quality. This is the standard of what the rest of the colors of the rock should match. They would always go back to that cornerstone and as like time passed and some stones fall out and some stones crack and need to be replaced, they always go back to the cornerstone and they look at the cornerstone and they say, whatever we replace the rocks with, it has to match this. So the cornerstone is, is really fascinating to me. And there, here's some, some things about the cornerstone. It was the first stone laid, it was unmovable, and it was the stone that everything else would match and fit around. So in other words, where the cornerstone was laid determined where every other stone would be laid. How many know Jesus Christ is perfect theology? Jesus is perfect theology. He came before us. He is unmovable. And we are all made to fit perfectly around him. So this is what I mean about Jesus being at the center in a healthy community where Jesus, stand, where Jesus stands determined where we stand. Where Jesus stands determines where we stand. So where does Jesus stand on, on healing? Well, I love Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. So he went around healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So that, that shows us right there. It tells us that sickness is oppression of the enemy. It's not from God. And Jesus, where he stood with sickness is he healed everyone he came into contact with that wanted to be healed. So we don't accept sickness and oppression as a way of life because that's not where Jesus stands. That's not where Jesus stands. We're going to stand with Jesus. So when Jesus is at the center, we believe in healing and we go after that. We're like, this is what Jesus did. He is at the center. We're following what he did. Where does Jesus stand on the kingdom realm? Well, Jesus said, pray, God, let your kingdom come to earth. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. He also said the kingdom is inside every single believer. 
And he said, let the kingdom of heaven come to earth. This is why we believe for an open heaven. This is why we go after healing. We go after oppression. And this is why we believe God is here. We declare like an open heaven over worship. We declare like an open heaven over you guys. We declare an open heaven for like, God, whatever that looks like. You know, we don't really even, we can only imagine like what's happening in the heavenly realm. But we know a few things. We know there's no sickness. We know there's no oppression. We know there's fullness of joy. We know there's peace. And we know that Jesus said, declare that heaven comes to earth. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. So that's why we're declaring an open heaven because that's what Jesus told us to do. And that's where he stands. And you see his life. You see everywhere he went, there was an open heaven around him. He was destroying sickness, destroying oppression, bringing life, bringing peace. So we let where Jesus stands in every area be where we stand. Be where we stand. Hebrews 1.9 tells us that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above all his companions. We pursue joy because Jesus is rooted in joy and he is the rock that we all fit around. Let me say that verse again. Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above all his companions. Do you realize what that means? This means Jesus was always the most joy-filled person in every room he ever stepped into. In every setting, Jesus was always the most joy-filled person. He set a standard for us. Where does Jesus stand on joy? He was filled with the oil of gladness above all his companions. C.S. Lewis says, joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is actually very serious to God that we live in joy and we walk in joy. Why? Because Jesus paid a huge price. It's not a cheap joy. It's not a cheap joy. Jesus paid a huge price for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. He endured the cross to give us joy. Amen? So this is like, we take joy seriously. <laughs> it sounds funny, but we do. We take joy seriously. We like wanna go after joy. Joy is a priority. Yes. <laughs> I wanna stand where Jesus stands on joy. Jesus paid the ultimate price to bring us joy. So one of the four pillars of a powerful community, we wanna stand where Jesus is standing and he is at the center. We don't compromise our values. We don't compromise, compromise morality because we're standing with Jesus. Jesus was kind, he was full of grace, but he never once compromised what God values and what God says is right. Never once. Never once contradicted God's law. He said to the woman caught in the act, act of adultery, he said he showed grace and he drove away the, condemn, the condemners, amen? But he also said, go and sin no more, amen? He showed grace without compromising God's values. So in a powerful community, Jesus is at the center of all we do, and we all fit around him. We're not trying to get him to fit around us. Amen? It's an important piece of that. We fit around him. We want to know where he stands. So number one, in a powerful community, Jesus is at the center. Number two, number two thing, pillar of a powerful community, vulnerability. 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 
Can I just have your water? Thank you. Okay, I believe this. You can't have deep relationships without vulnerability. You can't have deep relationships without vulnerability. By the way, vulnerability is a gift that you give to someone. It's important that you think about vulnerability as a gift that you can give to someone. And when someone's being vulnerable with you, it's a gift that they're giving you. So when someone is being vulnerable with you and they're letting down the walls and they're, they're kind of like being vulnerable, you need to stop and recognize this is a gift that they're giving to me and honor the gift that they're giving to you. Being vulnerable looks like taking off the mask. I want to take off the Christian mask of, I'm okay, brother, bless God, bless God, bless God, everything's great. If you wear the mask, even in small ways, you can never really feel loved by community. Because even if you're getting loved, you think, well, they love the mask. And if I took off the mask, I'm not sure that they would actually love me. But God wants us to take off the mask and receive love for warts and all, like where we're at. Thank you for that, amen. <laughs> being vulnerable is being able to say, I'm actually not okay right now. I'm actually not okay. How are you doing? Oh, I'm not that great, actually. I've had people, I'm like, how you doing right now? And they're like, I'm doing good, because we always give that answer. And they're like, well, no, actually I'm not. <laughs> and that's awesome, that's vulnerability. Being vulnerable is the ability to say, I'm, not, I'm actually not okay right now. I need prayer, I need help. Being vulnerable isn't just being transparent. So what's the difference between transparency and vulnerability? Transparency is like, yeah, I struggle with anger. What of it? It's transparent. It's not vulnerable. Vulnerability is like, I struggle with anger. I need help. I invite you in to speak into my life. So we're not talking about just being transparent. Yep, I got this issue, that issue, but... Whatever, bless God, I'm working through it. I don't need your input. That's transparent, it's not vulnerable. So here's an important piece with vulnerability. You should not be completely vulnerable with everybody. <laughs> Some people, I feel like you're getting, from experience, you're shouting that out. Yeah, you shouldn't be vulnerable with everybody. Um, there's people that can't handle your vulnerability. I might, I might be vulnerable with a group of people and say, yeah, I'm, I struggle with anger. There might be some, someone in the group that was abused by someone who struggled with anger and they've not really resolved it in their heart and immediately they're triggered by me because they're like, they put their face of their abuser or their dad or whoever on, on my face because I'm struggling with something that they haven't worked through yet. 
So you shouldn't be completely vulnerable with everybody, but you should have key people in your life that you can be vulnerable with. You should have a few key people in your life that you can be completely vulnerable with. I can ask the Lord to show you who those people are, and you're gonna find those people in community. We have a lot of awesome people in this community that, it's gonna, that God will show you. It's gonna be safe to be vulnerable with these people in this community. Okay, story time. I think it was four or five years ago, the Lord started to speak to me in my life. He, he's like, you know, actually what triggered it was my grandmother died and my grandma was like a second mom to me. And I realized that I just kind of skipped over it. I didn't really grieve, any, grieve it. And, and a couple months later, I, real, I realized I was like, oh, something's wrong. Like I should have, that should have hurt. I should have grieved and I didn't. I just kind of skipped past it. And I started processing it with the Lord. I'm like, Lord, what's wrong with me? <laughs> That's a great question to ask, Lord. <laughs> What am I believing wrong? You know, help me, Lord. And the Lord started to speak to me. He says, you know, you hold everybody at, at bay to a certain extent. It's like, you hold everybody like this. I'll let you know me up to this point, and that's close enough. And he says, you do that with everybody, including your wife. And so I realized I was not being completely vulnerable in my life. And so I just, I just made it like, I was like, okay, I'm going to figure out what this is and let that down. And so I made it a point to, to go to my wife and I, I asked God who I could be vulnerable with and I had three key men in my life and I went and kind of spilled the beans to all these people like, hey, this, these are the deeper things that I'm not letting anybody in. And, and one of the things that happens when you be vulnerable like that is it's gonna destroy this lie in your life. If I took off the mask, people wouldn't truly love me. That lie got destroyed in my life because with my wife and with all those other people, not only did they continue to love me, but our, all of our relationships got deeper. It actually drew me closer to all those people. They didn't reject me. They didn't love me less. They actually loved me more because they're like, oh, now I'm, here's the real Daniel. And this is what everybody wants. This is actually, this is great news for you. Everybody wants the real you. We don't want the mask. We want the real you. And that, that's, that's who we're meant to like connect with and, and love. And so when the people take off the mask, we're actually able to connect to them deeper. So practice vulnerability. By the way, I came out of that season with just so much more healing in my heart. Where I was like, oh, this is, if I, if I would have known that I wasn't being completely real. I would have done this years ago because it brought so much life and so much healing to my heart. So practice vulnerability. Start asking the Lord, who in my community should I be completely open and vulnerable with? Okay. Four pillars of healthy community. Who can say number one? Jesus. <laughs> we have a joke that like Jesus is always the right answer. Like I, Jesus, he's, that's always the right answer. Number one, Jesus at the center. What's number two? Vulnerability. Number three, empathy. Empathy. I have a new declaration that I came up with. I'm quick to empathize and slow to give advice. Those of us that have been practicing empathy, like we're probably loving this one. 
I'm quick to empathize. I'm slow to give advice. Yeah. Men, let me speak to the men for a second, especially it's Mother's Day. When your wife comes and she's kind of venting a little bit about maybe something that happened in her day or something that's going on in the family, we want to be quick to empathize and slow to fix it. <laughs> Getting an amen over here in this section. We want to be quick to empathize and slow to give advice. It sounds like, man, it's, it sounds like you had a really hard day. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you had a hard day. Like, man, that sounds really hard. It's empathy is putting yourself in their shoes. What would that been, have been like to have been dealing with five screaming kids all day and two of them are fighting one another and one of them won't talk to you? And what is that like? <laughs> it's like a typical Tuesday. <laughs> Man, I am so sorry. That must be hard. And it's not manipulation um, because you're actually you want to actually connect to that emotion. It can be manipulation if you're like, okay, I'm doing this to get a result. If you're not actually connected to the, the emotion, but you're, if you're actually trying to be like, I actually want to put myself in their shoes and feel what they're feeling. Like, wow, that would be difficult. And I'm so sorry. Like, can, can I make dinner tonight for you? Can I, can I rub your shoulders for a while? <laughs> while you watch your favorite show. <laughs> So men, we want to be quick to empathize, to feel what they're feeling, slow to fix it. Amen? That's my new declaration. I'm quick to empathize and slow to give advice. How does it feel, yeah. How does it feel when you go like to someone and you're kind of like, you know, just like feeling some tough emotions and you kind of like just really like tell them what you're going through and they're like, well, you just got to do this. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of like I've done that to people and I can feel them like shutting down. Like, oh, okay, I guess I'm just stupid. I just should have realized I should have just done that. <laughs> so when someone comes to you and they're like, yeah, I'm struggling with this, I'm going through that, we want to be quick to empathize. Slow to give advice, slow to fix it. Empathy is an advanced means of communication. I think that very few people are just naturally good at it. It's something you have to work at. That's why I say it's an advanced means of communication because it's not easy, it's not our go-to. It's something that we have to grow in. I think I've known one or two people in life that I would just say, oh, those people are just naturally good at, at empathy. Most of us... We have to grow in this. Most of us, we want to grow in this. Empathy is putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Where do we see empathy in the Bible? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. How would I want to be treated if I were going through what they're going through right now? Would I want to be slapped with, oh, you just got to do this? Or would I want my emotions to actually be cared for. Like, man, I'm so sorry that, you, that that happened today. Like, that must be hard. That's a great empathy sentence. That must be hard. 
tell me more about that. Like, what are you experiencing right now? What's, how's your heart? Are you okay? These are, these are great tools for empathy. Empathy is genuinely seeking to understand someone's heart. Ask good questions to learn about what's going on in their heart. Be slow to give advice. Be quick to put yourself in their, cho- in their shoes and ask questions. Everyone longs to be understood. One of the most painful things in life is being misunderstood, especially by people you love and value. Being misunderstood is, is painful. And so one of the gifts that we can give for, to someone is, is seeking to understand them. We need to listen to each other with grace. Listen to each other with grace. So you're not hearing through a trigger, but hearing through a lens of grace. So we need to be careful when, when someone is, is venting, maybe it starts to hit something that triggers something in us. And we're hearing through a trigger and we can have our own reaction to what they're going through that's maybe not good. But we need to hear through a lens of grace, especially when we feel like, like they're maybe venting and we feel like they're complaining about us. This is when it gets real, right? Like, what? I didn't do anything. And we start hearing through a trigger instead of hearing through a lens of grace. Let me see. One of the biggest things, and we'll talk about marriage for a second. I'm gonna skip to this and go, go back to some other stuff. One of the biggest things that helped me in my marriage with my wife is I, like most men, like we wanna be respected. And I realized a while ago that I had a trigger of disrespect of feeling like if I felt disrespected, it would trigger me. And so one of the biggest things that helped me is when I felt disrespected by my wife, what I realized was she, she actually wasn't disrespecting me, I was just feeling disrespected. And so one of the biggest things that helped me is I would actually just stop with the Lord and be like, Lord, is, is my wife, just ask good questions even internally, is my wife trying to disrespect me right now? And every single time I'd hear, no. And it would disarm that trigger. And then I could hear with grace. Now I could hear with grace instead of through the trigger of, well, it's not my fault. Or why are you coming at me like this? Like, nope, this has nothing to do with me. She's not trying to disrespect me. And then I, now I can hear with grace. Does that make sense? One of the biggest problems in our culture today, in our world today, is a lack of empathy. There's a lot of ju- judgment, but very little empathy. So where else do we see empathy in the world, or in the word? Jesus comes to raise Lazarus from the dead. He comes, Martha's weeping. Jesus, if you'd only came sooner, my brother wouldn't be dead right now. She's weeping. She's experiencing deep sorrow. Her brother's passed away. What does Jesus do? Just relax. I'm going to heal him in like 10 minutes. Just calm down. Your emotions are not valid right now. You need to just relax. I'm getting ready to raise up your brother. Is that what Jesus did? 
No, he empathized. He stopped and he entered into her sorrow. He felt what she felt. He's like, wow, this is really painful for her. And, he, and it says, Jesus wept. That's where the shortest verse in the Bible comes, right at that moment. She's weeping. Jesus, if you just had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He takes time to connect with her and what she's feeling, and he weeps. Then he goes and raises Lazarus. It would have been really easy for him to be like, no, I don't, we don't need to go there. You don't need to feel that. I'm going to raise him. But he stopped and he, and he took time to enter into her sadness. By the way, Jesus will enter into your sadness so that he can bring you out of it. He'll go there with you. He mourns with those who mourns. He'll go there with you, but he doesn't go there to stay there with you. He doesn't skip process. He'll go through process with you. But his goal when he goes there with you is to bring you out, to bring you back into healing and wholeness and life and joy. Amen? Okay. Empathy will open doors for you. It'll open deeper intimacy with your spouse. It'll open better communication with your coworkers, which will lead to better job opportunities, and even can lead to evangelism. So I have another story. So I was opening up a bank account about two weeks ago. And the lady that I opened up the bank account with, um, she started just opening up to me about her uh, father who just had a stroke. And so she's telling me about her father just had a stroke just a few weeks before and how hard it was and what she's going through. And I really connected to what she was going through and I just, I just started to empathize with her. And I just said, man, that's so hard. And I just imagined like, what would that be like if my father went through that? And I had to watch him go through what, what you know, all these things. And I just said, man, that's, that's so hard. I'm so sorry that you're going through that. And that must be really hard to see your dad go through that. And I just took, took a minute to empathize with her. And then later on in the, in the conversation, I was like, Lord, I want to share Jesus with her. And I was like, but what's, what's the door? How do I, you know, because we're always like, you know, it's always the, like the, the breaking, like breaking that wall. It's like the, using the word Jesus. It's like, oh, I broke, I'm in. I'm talking about Jesus now. <laughs> and so I'm like, Lord, how do I bring up Jesus? And he's like, you already opened the door with empathy. The door is already open. That was the, that was the door. And so, you know, at the end of our conversation, when we we're all finished up, I just said, you know, when you were talking about your, your father, I just said, man, I, I really like, uh, I really just thought about how hard that must be. And I really felt like what you're going through. And I just wanted to share Jesus with you. I've just, I've been through so many things in life and Jesus has just gotten me through so many things and just boom, share the gospel. And this lady was like deeply moved. We, we tend to believe lies that like, People are gonna like run away from us when we say Jesus. Like most of the case, most of the time is not correct. Most of the time people are, it like really connects to people and they're like, they feel love, they feel the Holy Spirit. And this lady, she like, it was like, God had her. That's like right in there in that moment, I'm just sharing Jesus with her and she was like captivated with the gospel. So empathy, it can open up doors for you. So what's the number one pillar of a healthy community, a powerful community? Jesus at the center. What's number two? Vulnerability. What's number three? 
Empathy. We got one more. One more to go. Oh, this one's awesome. This one's so good. I'm going to leave you in suspense for a minute. This one's so important. Brave conversations. <laughs> Brave conversations. Have to have them if you're going to have a healthy community. Not an option to not. You have to have them. We don't have brave conversations to end relationships. We have brave conversations to protect relationships. This is how we protect our relationships. This is how we steward healthy, lifelong connections with people. This is how we actually connect to our heart, what we're feeling. I'm going to actually share my heart with this person. I'm going to step out of non-brave conversations <laughs> and into brave conversations with this person. Why? Because I want deeper connection with this person. So what's the alternative? A lot of times the alternative is cutting off relationship with the person. Like, I'm un unwilling to have a brave conversation, so I just need to end this relationship because their behavior just, I just can't handle it anymore, and I'm not, I'm not bold enough to approach them with it, so I'm just going to cut off the relationship. I've done that. But in healthy community, we want to have those brave conversations, and actually really, really is powerful for the other person. And it might open you some things up for them that they need to have a brave conversation with you and it could be really, really powerful for you as well. Brave conversations. So when I, the, the culture I grew up in, if there was disagreements, there was violence and there was hitting and the stuff got broken and there was tables flipped and there's holes punched in the wall. So how many think that it was easy for me to start having brave conversations? <laughs> Not easy for me. Literally in my 20s, when there would be arguments, I'd literally start shaking because my, my emotions, my body would go back to that place of like, uh-oh, violence is coming. Like there's going to be a hole punch in the walls by somebody <laughs> at some point. And it took me years to get over that to where like, I actually, man, I enjoy brave conversations. <laughs> I enjoy brave conversations because I've seen the fruit of them. The fruit of brave conversations when God is present, is amazing. Can be really, really, really powerful. So sometimes the kindest thing you can do is to have a brave conversation with someone. It's actually the most loving, most kind thing that you can do because the alternative can just be holding a grudge against them, which turns into bitterness or just cutting them out of your life. Where do we find this in the Word? Brave conversations. Matthew 18. Jesus says this. If you have an offense with your brother, go to your brother. I think the message, he says, thou shalt have brave conversations. Brave conversations. 
If you read that whole chapter, Matthew, Matthew chapter 18, the goal of it is to win your brother back. If you have an issue with your brother, you have an offense with your brother, you go to your brother with the goal of, I'm gonna move all this issue, this, this hurt, whatever it is, out of the way so that I can win my brother, bring my brother closer to me. This is the goal, and I would say 85% of the time, this is what happens. It's like we remove the offense of the enemy, we remove the offense, maybe it's real, I'm not saying it's not real, but if we have a real thing, the enemy can just add onto it and start to accuse that person to you because you haven't went to him and made it right. So my goal is to win my brother, to remove the offense, to settle things, to come to understanding. This is the goal of brave conversation, come to understanding one another. The most loving thing we can do in relationships is to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. We don't beat people up with the truth. That's the guy in the street corner with the Turner burn sign. Y'all are going to hell, screaming at people. This is like, technically there could be some truth in what they're saying, but they're actually beating people with the truth. You know, I cried when I saw Joe Bieber do street preaching because I'd never seen it done like that. We've seen, we've all seen the sandwich board guy that's yelling at people they're going to hell. I'd never seen what he did. And I, I literally cried because the Holy Spirit just dropped in the room and he just did it in, or in the place. We were outside. There was about 40 people there and you could just feel the Holy Spirit just touching people. It was just full of love, full of grace, the full gospel, but full of love and grace. And like four or five people got saved that were listening. Like we just dispersed and went and talked to people afterwards and people were ready to give their heart to Jesus. They're like, I'd never seen anything like that. It's speaking the truth in love. We don't deliver the truth rudely. We speak the truth in love. I have another story. This one's not my story. I heard this from uh, Patricia King. Uh, we heard this, uh, it was at a conference about four years ago. She had a, a hairdresser that was her hairdresser for years and years and years who was a homosexual. And um, she never brought it up, but one day they just had such a long standing relationship that one day he brought it up. And he just said, what, what do you think of my life? Like what I'm living? And she told him a story. So here's the story. And God set her up because this had just happened. She said, you know, my son, he, he has a Jeep. And recently he came to me and he said, Mom, my Jeep uh, got stuck in the river. And it's in the river. I need help getting it out of the river. And she looked at her son. She said, son, why did you think your Jeep was a boat? Why, do you think you, why did you think your Jeep was a boat? Did you read the user's manual? Because if you read the user's manual, you would know that your Jeep's a Jeep. It's not a boat. It's not meant to go in water. It's a Jeep. And I think, I think she told him like, yeah, I'm gonna help you, but you're gonna pay for the, the damages 
And uh, you're gonna have to pay a consequence for the bad decision you made of thinking that your Jeep was a boat. And she's telling the story and then she said, God wrote your user's manual. <laughs> it's the Bible. And he tells us what we can do and what we can't do with our life and with our bodies. He said, well, when we read the user's manual, we don't want to violate what he, how he's told us to live. Why? Because he's a loving father and he knows it's going to come with a consequence. He knows it's going to be painful. It's going to hurt. Long story short, this man leaves that lifestyle. And he actually, this, when she was telling, at the time of the story, it had been several years uh, that, she, that that had ha actually happened. And she's actually in business with this man. He's a Christian man and has left that lifestyle years ago. And she actually is in business with him doing some different things. Brave conversations. When we do it with the Lord, it can yield so much fruit. So much fruit. I know many of us, and I've probably been there myself, where you're like, ah, I just, I don't want to have that conversation with this person. I can, and honestly, we don't have enough faith in like the user's manual. Like God tells us that that lifestyle is not a fun lifestyle. I've known lots of people that came out of it. Not a fun life-giving lifestyle. And it's violating what God says. And when we have faith in that, we know like there's something better for this person. This is actually, they think it's life, it's actually death. God wants to bring them into life. One of the keys for your own personal growth, growth and the key to this community becoming all that God wants it to be is to be able to have brave conversations. I know they're not easy, but man, I'm telling you, watch God show up when you do it. It's honoring what Jesus said to do. If you have an issue with your brother, go to your brother. So I've been practicing this for a few years now, and I'm always amazed at how God shows up always amazed how God shows up in them. He never doesn't show up. He'll always show up. And it's amazing fruit comes out of it. You know, the stronghold for me was like, if you have brave conversations, there's violence, there's separation, there's mess. When the truth is, when we do it God's way, we have brave conversations, there's life, there's healing. It removes shame. It removes bitterness. It removes question in our heart about this person. And we win our brother back. We need to welcome feedback. Healthy communities are good at giving and receiving healthy feedback. We need to welcome it. I'm open to feedback. I have, I have key people in my life that they know, like, you have carte blanche to speak into my life. If you see something that's weird, I want you to say it. If I say something that's weird, I want you to say it. And I, I trust these people, and with my wife, absolutely, to that if they see something, that's actually something that I need to look at. And the same with our leadership team. Like, our leadership team knows, like, hey, if you see something weird, please say it. 
give us feedback. We need feedback. We value that. Healthy communities have feedback. We're human beings. By the way, Pastor Joy and I, um, we're human beings. Please don't look to us as, as anything more than that. <laughs> Our job is to point you to Jesus. We're just filling a role in this church. God's made us the mouthpiece of Awakened Life Church, along with a bunch of other people. But that's just our role here. There's a lot of people that have roles that are just as important as ours in this church. We're just the mouthpiece. We're not God. Don't look to us for to be God or else you're gonna be very disappointed. But we value feedback because we are humans. We're not perfect. It says in the book of Proverbs, if you correct a wise man, he'll love you for it and he'll add to his knowledge but if you correct a fool, he'll hate you for it. I love that verse. Correct a wise man, he'll love you for it. Wow, thank you for that feedback. I've actually gotten that from people. <laughs> like, hey, can I just bring something up? Wow, thank you so much. Thank you for that feedback. That's great feedback. Okay, see, how, see who was listening. What's number one? Jesus is at the center. What's number two? Vulnerability. What's number three? Empathy. And what's number four? Brave conversations. If we can grab onto these things, God can do so much in this community. We can actually be the church that, that the world looks at and they're like, what? where did you guys come from? Like, what, what is happening? Like, I, don't, I mean, we've had that comment, but I mean, even more so, and as we grow, we're gonna have to keep reinforcing these things. But like we've had that comment, like where, where did you guys come from? We've just never even seen a culture like this. And we want to, we feel like we're just starting. We want to get better at these things and grow and grow and grow. But we need buy-in. We need your buy-in. Have those brave conversations. Work in your life to be vulnerable, not to be a, an island that's like, uh, no, I'm going to deal with this myself and I'm not letting anybody else in. Work at your, in your life to empathize, to understand someone. This is what empathy is. I want to. Try, I really want to understand where this person's coming from. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I'm going to pray over you, and then I'm going to have joy come up. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for what you're doing in our life. Lord, we pray that we would be a community, God, that when people see us, God, they would say, I want that. I want that. I don't want what's fake anymore. I want the genuine. God, we just pray that you're raising us up. God, that you're giving us the strength to do these things. And I just, I just want to pray over you right now. I just speak over you. God has given you the strength to do powerful community. I just pray against every spirit of fear. I just rebuke every spirit of fear. Just rebuke every spirit of fear away from everybody who's afraid to confront. 
afraid to be vulnerable. And God, we just pray that you are just raising us up, taking us from glory to glory and showing us how to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>